I don't cower when people do that. So I went on the offensive uh, and the results were, were pretty good. I've been threatened the past six days. Uh, not only have I been threatened, I've been doxxed. Family members have been doxxed, um, attempted swatting attacks. He contacted me as well on Twitter. Oh, did he? He did! I have not responded well at all to being threatened. They're not good criminals. They're not good cyber criminals. It's, in it's like it's their first day on the job. They give a bad name to criminals all over the place. I'm Brett Johnson, former United States Most Wanted Cyber Criminal. In today's world, criminals come in all shapes and sizes, but they have one thing in common. They all have criminal thoughts. What we're talking about today, we're talking about Telegram. And what's interesting is the way that organized online crime has changed over the years. When I started cybercrime as we know it today, we didn't have the dark web. Everything was called the surface web. So if you look at the Internet, you've got three different parts of the Internet. You've got the surface web, the deep web, and then you've got the dark web. The surface web is anything that you can find using Google. So if you can do a Google search, pull it up. That's what's called the surface web. That is only about 4% of the overall Internet. The other 96% is called the deep web. That's anything that doesn't have a web address. That's your bank statements. That's emails. That's uh, Hulu movies or Netflix movies. It's all of that stuff. That's 96% of the Internet. Now, inside of that, we have this thing called the dark web. All right. And that dark web was developed by the United States Navy. It's called the Tor browser, TOR for the onion router. And it was developed so that intelligence operatives could communicate with each other and not be identified by those respective countries that they were spying on. Fair enough, right? So over time, what happens is, is the United States Navy decides that they're going to release this to the public. And they did it for a couple of reasons. They did it so that whistleblowers could blow the whistle on these companies that were doing bad. But they also did it so that people that were behind countries' firewalls, think North Korea, Iran, Cuba, places like that, that they could get past those firewalls and get the real truth, get the real news of the world. So they released it to the public. But when they did that, they forgot that the first adoptees to, of technology, when that technology can be used to remain anonymous or to launder money, the first adoptees are criminals. And that was the first real individuals that started to use the Tor browser in mass. All right. That was the state of cybercrime for a while. Individuals went to the dark web and they would buy their stolen, you know, buy, buy stolen identities or tools to commit crime. Then they would come back up to the surface web and victimize individuals or organizations. What happens is, is law enforcement over time, they get really good 
about investigating these people. So they start to bust these individuals that were on the dark web, not only the individuals, but the websites that were on the marketplaces that were on the dark web as well. And it started to scare a lot of people. So they started to migrate and look for smaller and smaller encrypted messaging services. They looked at Wicker, they looked at Signal, they started to use WhatsApp, they started to use all these different products. And then finally, out of the ether, comes this application called Telegram. And Telegram today is the Wild West of cybercrime. It started with most unsophisticated, the, the newbies of cybercrime. They would start to use Telegram and they would get on there and they would rip each other off. But over time, Telegram has become one of the major platforms of cyber criminals, both sophisticated or experienced and those who are not. And there's a reason for that. If you're using the traditional dark web, I've already, I've already talked about or spoke briefly about how law enforcement is very good about investigating that. That's true. But the traditional dark web, that Tor browser has a lot of friction. It's called friction. That's the user experience. So the traditional dark web has a lot of friction and friction is that user experience. It's anything that interrupts the pleasure of the user in using that platform, application, software, what have you. Tor has a lot of friction. First, you have to download the program. You have to know how to configure the program properly or you're going to be identified by law enforcement. There's no search engine for the Tor browser or for the dark web. So you have to know exactly where you're going. That's problematic because it's not like a www dot address at all. It's this long address where you really don't understand anything at all. You have to know exactly where you're going. So you have to find a website that you trust that will give you those addresses. So that's a problem as well. Once you find the marketplace, you have to have a PGP key. You have to uh, make sure that you're not getting fished by other criminals. Not only that, but there's a lot of criminals out there that are trying to rip each other off. And at the top of the game, law enforcement is always looking to arrest the people that are there. Telegram doesn't have those problems. Telegram is an application that you can download to your phone. You can run it on a web browser. It's encrypted and it has a keyword search function and it's owned by a Russian who refuses to answer any request for subpoenas, meaning it's free reign for criminals. You can do whatever you want to on there. As such, we've seen a lot of cybercrime that has migrated to Telegram. Now, Telegram, as I said, it's it's not all crime. It's a it's a very, very good application. You can build a channel on there. You can have group chats. You can run videos on there. There's all kinds of different things that you can do on Telegram. And it's encrypted end to end. So the privacy is outstanding for people who use it for legitimate reasons. For example, we're seeing that in use today in the Ukrainian war, and it's helping the Ukrainians fight Russia, oddly enough. As I said before, first adoptees to a technology that allows users to remain anonymous, first adoptees tend to be criminals. So you've got a large platform of criminals that are on Telegram. All right. So that being said, and I'm not going to, um, I guess you think we should show some stuff on Telegram, Brian, about uh, some of these criminal environments or not? I think that's a great idea. You have thousands and thousands of different Telegram channels with people committing crime. This particular channel that we're showing right here is called AIO Crime for All in One Crime. You'll see right here it has 9,978 members, of which 201 are online currently. 
And you can go through and you can see the different types of stuff that they're selling or engaging in as far as criminal activity goes. So here we've got, this is called the Super Shop. He is selling full access to uh, different types of cash out. So if you're looking to cash out stolen accounts for Yahoo, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, eBay, Chase, Coinbase, what have you. He sells all of that stuff. This guy right here is selling credit card accounts. Ah, there is a Chase card and you'll need to at least blur out the guy's name right here. This is one of the problems with uh... <laughs> Wow. So, yeah, Brian, this this is Telegram, the Wild West of Cybercrime. So here we have more accounts for sale as well. And you can go down and there are just thousands and thousands of different ads, different sellers. Here's proxy addresses so that you can hide your ad your uh, real IP. If you're looking for account transfers, there you go. Here we've got a checking account that's being sold, and it keeps going. And this is just one particular channel. There are, as I said, there are thousands of different channels where this stuff is being sold. So Telegram can't do anything about this? Telegram doesn't do anything about this. They absolutely could, to a degree. The only thing that Telegram, the owners of Telegram, puts a lid on tends to be child now, you can absolutely find that on Telegram, but as far as financial cybercrime, stuff like that goes, they don't care about that at all. It's free reign. And as I said, the problem is, is that the owner of Telegram, he's a Russian, he absolutely refuses to answer any requests from law enforcement. So you, law enforcement doesn't get any device data, doesn't get any IP data, nothing else. If law enforcement's not in the channel recording the stuff that's going on, they don't have any real evidence of the crimes that are being committed. So that being said, law enforcement absolutely tends to sit in channels pretty constantly. And fortunately, for English-speaking cyber criminals, they tend to talk a lot. So it's not difficult to start to target these people, identify them, and then ultimately put them in prison. All right, so this is the Lego chat channel, 6,900 members, 423 that are online right now. This is Amsterdam chat. And again, this guy's looking for PayPal logins with balances. You have tons upon tons of different types of channels that commit crime. If I'll go up here real quick, see if I've got this, just to show you this guy. So this is called the Radiant Investment Group. Now, what Ra Radiant is a criminal. What they do is this this entire group, criminals, and they talk about how they should invest their stolen money. So they talk about crypto, they talk about different types of stocks, give signals, things like that, talk about how much money they're making or losing in an investment any given day. But this is Telegram as we know it today. So the other day, <laughs> I was I was talking to Dr. Jordan Peterson. Did an interview with him, and it turns out that the interview went really well. Uh, it was scheduled for 90 minutes. The interview lasted two and a half hours, and the man was outstanding. It was basically a two-and-a-half-hour counseling session about Brett Johnson, and I did not leave with a smile on my face. I left with some tears in my eyes and really contemplating you know, if I was doing any good and if I was turning my life around, stuff like that. I got home. Uh, that was this past Monday, so three days before Thanksgiving. Got home, and the next morning, I was checking my Twitter feed, and I've got these individuals who reach out to me 
and tell me stuff that's going on on Telegram or on the dark web. You know, basically send me a message. Hey, have you seen this lately? The message that I got was, hey, have you, do you know that the owner of Shark Tank has been doxxed? So Shark Tank was, was a Telegram criminal channel that dealt in all forms of cybercrime. So they dealt in stolen credit cards. They dealt in drugs. Uh, one of the higher ups actually was engaged in child pornography. Anything that you could think about, about stealing money or victimizing people, Shark Tank was involved in 10,200 members at the time. So the guy sent me a message saying, hey, do you know the guy's been doxxed? Do you want the information? And my response was, well, yeah, send me over the info. So he sends me over this guy's information. I go to Shark Tank because I've been a member of Shark Tank for, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe longer than that. Since since the site really came into play, I've been on Shark Tank, not doing anything, just monitoring what they're doing. And that's what I do on Telegram. So I go in, confirm that he's been doxxed, look at the ID. I was like, it looks right and everything else. Confirm that with some other people as well. Come back in, find out that not only has he been doxxed, but there's a channel on Telegram that talks about him being doxxed. So this is the channel that doxxed the owner of Shark Tank, and the owner was going by the screen name of Celine. Now, the reason that he gives that he docks this individual, and what I mean by a dox, that means that someone has found your real identity. Not only have they found your name, but they've got your social security number, your date of birth, your driver's license number. They've got what's called a TLO, and a TLO is a uh, in-depth background check. It's basically skip tracing background checks, where it lists every single thing that someone could possibly ever want to know about you. So someone had found out the real identity of the owner of Shark Tank, and they had not only done that, they had pulled his TLO. The reason they gave for doing that is they said that, hey, this guy, yes, he's running this criminal channel, but he's also ripping members off at the same time. So I contacted the owner of this channel just to talk to him. I was like, hey, what's going on? He told me. I was like, well, look, I've just posted that on my Twitter feed about who the owner is. And he was like, seriously? And I was like, yeah. And he comes over to my Twitter feed and he's like, bet, I love it. I was like, well, outstanding. Then he looks at me. He's, well, he, look, he doesn't look at me. He virtually looks at me. And he says, hey, would you mind if I post this on the Shark Tank channel where you have listed it on your Twitter feed? He said, because you're legitimate and it will make a bigger splash at that point in time. And my response was, dude, do you? And just to go through the channel. So there is an actual picture of the owner of Shark Tank. That's him. That's Celine right there. Because what you see is a lot of these guys take their own selfies as this guy does. This guy posts my Twitter link to that post on Shark Tank. Shark Tank goes crazy. At that point in time, I start to get people coming over to my Twitter feed, and this one gentleman by the name of Jamar starts to threaten me. Actually, he goes through the five stages of grief. He comes in and starts to demand that I remove the post, and my response is no. He then starts to say, if you don't remove it, I will have you hurt, and my response is still no. Then he starts to bribe me. Well, I'll give you this much money if you remove it, and my response is, hey, I'm not for sale. I don't have a price. There are things more important than money. And then ultimately what he does is he puts a price on my head. Today that price is at, um, I believe the price is at $30,000.
is what the price is. That's it, $30,000. That's all Brett Johnson is worth. I'm trying, I'm hoping to raise that fee up before long. This gentleman contacts me, who has been feeding me information for quite some time, and he says, hey, Jamar gets his ass swatted. I, I actually posted Jamar's real name. He gets swatted. So for those who don't know, a SWAT attack is when someone calls 911 and they tell 911 that, hey, this guy has a hostage. This guy's about to kill somebody. This guy has stolen cars, whatever. And then the SWAT team shows up at your house, busts in the door, the wall, what have you, comes in, you know, ready to shoot somebody. And sometimes someone has gotten shot from that. So someone, not me, once I post Jamar's information and what or his real name and what he's doing, someone, one of his own, you know, little tribe, they decide they're going to SWAT Jamar. And that's exactly what happens. Someone picks him up and they find drugs, guns, and money at his address. Oddly enough, not only that, but the police later on, he's in Belgium. The police release a nice little message saying, and we'll get to the translation of that. Um, I've got the translation of that. But I also get some pictures of Jamar's devices, his profile. There is Jamar as they've got a hood over his thing the police do. There's some seized money they got from Jamar. The translation of the police report or the police release was, Hello, fraudsters and all other interested parties. On Thursday, November 23rd, 6.15 a.m., the boy behind the username Jamar was arrested by the Federal Judicial Police. Jamar will be done with tinkering and illegally moving money and debit cards, hardware, bank accounts, conversations, blah, 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 have been seized. They got 37,000 euros from him. They also got a Bitcoin from him. They took some weapons, some drugs as well, and, of course, his his electronic devices. So they got all of that. Now, by this point in time, I have become the contact point of anyone who wants to tell on anyone else on Telegram. So people start to message me every single thing that's going on. Not only that, but they're sitting in some of these private conversations that Jamar is having with other criminals. And they send me not only the text messages, but recorded audio of Jamar talking. Turns out that Jamar is going to take off on the run or he's going to try to take off on the run. Word has it that he has. And not only that, but he is... Um, he has an international Interpol warrant out for his arrest at this point in time. While that's going on, Jamar continues to threaten not only me, but my family with murders, uh, beatings, firebombs, things like that. So it's, it's pretty serious. I have notified my contacts in law enforcement. They took care of any possibility that I might be swatted. They've let me know that, hey, if anything else goes on, let us know. We're monitoring the situation as well. Now, while that's going on, I have not responded well at all to being threatened. Turns out that uh, I don't cower when people do that. So as a result, I have went on the offensive. For those who may not know, I was the guy who ran the entire cybercrime world for a few years. Not only ran it, but I helped to build a lot of it. Um, I understand the dynamics of, of those marketplaces, of the cyber criminals, the way they operate and interact with each other and things like that. I've turned my life around now, but they're getting a taste of the type of guy that I used to be, that when you, when you anger me, that I will stop at nothing to make sure that you are destroyed. So over the past six days, since this Shark Tank group decided that they were going to uh, condone my being threatened and 
here's the thing. I would have not done anything. I, I, the only thing I wanted to do was just simply post a, a post on Telegram saying, hey, not Telegram, but on Twitter saying, hey, this guy was doxxed. And I was going to leave it at that. But they started to threaten me. Not only that, but the entire Shark Tank higher ups at that point, they condoned those attacks. They changed their mind later on, but they condoned those attacks because they did that. I decided that probably the best thing to do was to shut down the entire Shark Tank channel. So I went on the offensive uh, and the results were were pretty good. Um, within the first hour, their membership dropped from 10,200 down to 2,800. As of today, the most talked about topic on that channel is Brett Johnson. Everyone thinks that the feds are monitoring the channel and they are. Um, two hours or two to three hours before we came in to record this today, the channel itself shut down. They uh, purged every single comment and post back to November 6th of this year. No one is allowed to post uh, any remarks on there, anything else as we're speaking right now. How long that's going to last, I don't know, but it looks as if the channel itself is absolutely uh, in shambles and it will never regain the, the type of status that it used to have. It's now considered a what's called a Fed channel. Feds are all over it, so you better watch out what you're talking about. A lot of criminals on Telegram, they talk way too much. Shark Tank definitely talks way too much. Not only do they take selfies of themselves, but they post pictures of the crimes that they're committing, sometimes before they've even committed it. So they'll get a, a stolen credit card in and they will post a picture of the card with the entire card number, which is bizarre. So getting into that, the thought process behind that is ego, right? Exactly. Exactly. So otherwise, they wouldn't be that stupid. And and it, it goes a little bit deeper than that. If, if you if you understand the way cybercrime operates. People commit crime online for three reasons. It's either status, cash, or ideology. So, of course, Shark Tank is looking to steal money, all right? But the members themselves, a lot of it is status-driven. You're looking to impress your criminal peers because if you can do that, you gain the respect of your community, and that respect equates to profit at the end of the day. So it's really interesting on that. So so you've got a group of criminals, 10,000 strong, who really aren't sophisticated. They really don't know how to hack anything. They don't really have much skill at all. That doesn't mean they can't steal money, though. They absolutely can. doesn't mean they can't steal identities. They absolutely can. But don't think of them as computer geniuses. They're fraudsters. That's what they are. Okay. So how do you impress your fellow fraudsters? Well, you impress your fellow fraudsters by showing the amounts of money that you're stealing. So you'll see people that will wave wads of cash. You'll see people that will sh take snapshots of the cars that they've either stolen or bought with stolen goods. So you'll see this and it's the idea is to impress your criminal peers and that Raises your status, gains your respect, gains you more money at the end of the day. That's the way these environments work. Shark Tank is a pure example of this. So because they're posting this much information, it's very easy to start to identify them. Not only is it easy to identify them, but it's very easy to shut down a lot of the crimes that they're trying to commit. So like two days ago, there was an individual that had applied for a loan at Roadrunner Financial. He actually posts that and he made the mistake of posting the name of the person that whose identity he had stolen. So what does Brett Johnson do? He got approved for a loan for $35,000. What do I do? I contact Roadrunner and say, hey, 
you guys might want to have this shut down. And they did. They cost, I, I made sure that the guy lost his 35000 in stolen money at that point in time. But I did that with uh, some credit card sellers as well. So I'm not only turning, I'm not only having these accounts shut down, but notifying law enforcement at the same time. Law enforcement has confirmed that they're coming in. They're, not, they're noticing everything. So we're looking at people being arrested. At the same time, these groups are very good if someone gets angry at someone they tend to post their identities or run to someone like me and tell them their identities. So I know who the owners are of the Shark Tank Telegram group. And and one of them, his name is Ramses Reyes. The other one's name, let me pull him up. I, I won't share the screen, but yeah, we'll take bring him in just a second. The other one is really interesting. Uh, there's this thing called synthetic fraud. And synthetic fraud is when you you fabricate a social security number and you create an identity around it, or you use a child's stolen social security number and you fabricate an identity around that, a credit score, everything else, and you can live under that. So this guy named Celine, he was actually using that synthetic identity. It's called a CPN. That's what criminals call that, a credit profile number. He was living under this stolen identity under the name of Saeed Akeem Abdul. I turned all that information over to law enforcement. I also found out his real name as my, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's M as in Mary, O-H-D, Khan, Mood Khan, something like that is his real name. He has told everyone that he has fled the country. However, he has not. He is still hiding out and trying to commit fraud in New York. So those are the two owners of that telegram channel. And if you can bring in our guest, we'll talk for a minute about the Shark Tank. Hi, Brent. How are you? Can you hear me all right? Buddy, how are you? Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on the show, Brett. But My friend, it's it's great to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I did some digging on your background. I'm very familiar. Well, yeah. I watched your podcast yeah. with, um, what's his name? The big one. Um, the Lex Friedman? Lex Friedman. Yeah, yeah. there it is. So, yeah, I mean, if you have any questions for me, let let me know. But everything you said was pretty much correct. I do have some questions. Uh, I, the first question I have out of the gate, do you commit fraud? Um, no, I, I don't commit okay. fraud, Brett. There we go. So, you know, right. I've been around in these groups, um, you know, kind of just scouting about. I don't know. I got added to a few and. You know, I've just been noticing some things that have been going on there. So, all right, and and what have you noticed? So, let's start with the Shark Tank. Let's and then start we'll with move the Shark on Tank. To another group here. But, <laughs> so, the Shark Tank is obviously a group in which they're committing a bunch of organized fraud, um, mainly check fraud, wire fraud. And it seems as though um, they're big into the wire fraud and they have they're also involved in SIM swapping. Right. So I believe Celine um, on his channel, he's posted um, a little bit of evidence that indicates that he has some SIM swappers at T-Mobile, some inside workers uh, using their terminology. They call them innies. Right. Um and that's mainly how Celine, you know, funds his illegal activities, um, wires, SIM swapping, because when you have these accounts, which they call logs that they get, 
like a, a Chase log or a Bank of America log or a Wells Fargo log or what have you. Right. The main thing stopping them is the two-factor authentication that's set up by the bank. So, you know, before they even commit wire fraud, they need to bypass that two-factor authentication. And to do that, I've noticed Celine has his little inside workers in T-Mobile. And these are obviously people that, you know, it's not too complex. These are just people they know from around their borough in Brooklyn. Like a, a girl he may have dated or, you know, his buddy or what have you, and they corrupt them and they'll get them to use their little T-Mobile tablet and, you know, SIM swap the account holder's account. Well, let me ask you, so, so these insiders, these innies, how do you, and, and I already know the answer. I don't, what I don't know is how much money these insiders are making for doing a SIM swap? Well, I'll tell you, Brett. So I don't think they're making too much money. It might be, well, they work at T-Mobile, so obviously they're making the T-Mobile pay. Right. So it doesn't take much. From what I've seen, it's it ranges from 1000 to 3000 They might pay these guys to commit this fraud, or it might be pay on a weekly basis. So on top of their paycheck that they're getting from their normal job at T-Mobile, they're also getting paid by the fraudsters uh, to commit this SIM swap fraud. So, okay. so they commit the SIM swap. You still on with me? Yes, I am. So I go on Shark Tank, buy a PayPal log, a Bank of America log, Chase log, what have you. It's got $20,000, $30,000 in it. I want that money. I know now here's what here's what Shark Tank doesn't know. The adoption of multi-factor, a high adoption rate on a platform if a user is given a choice, a high adoption rate on a platform for multi-factor is about 12.6%. That's a high adoption. So unless a bank forces their customers to do multi-factor, the chances of them having multi-factor deployed very small at that point. But say they do. How do you bypass multi-factor? The, the hard way right now is to intercept the cookie and do a cookie injection attack. And we see Genesis Marketplace, we see Evil Proxy, platforms like that that are doing that for cyber criminals. The, the common way is, as you just said, a SIM swap. I find out what that victim's phone number is, and I have their phone number transported to a phone that's in my pocket, not that is in their pocket. And I'm at that point, the multi-factor code is sent to me, not to them. That allows me to come in, do whatever I want to with the account, milk that money out of there before the victim typically even knows that anything is going on. So it's a very, very easy, very effective, and that is not a sophisticated type of attack at all, but it is extremely effective. And you're saying that a lot of people on Shark Tank, and I've seen that same thing, a lot of people on Shark Tank are involved in that type of attack. Yes, sir. I mean, that's 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 a lot of money that can be stolen. Let's be honest. A lot of money can be stolen like that. And, and we see Celine uh, stealing a lot of money. I mean, he's posted upwards of 250 grand in just cash. Right. We're not sure what his crypto assets are, but I'm 100% sure that he does have some, whether that be in, you know, Monero or Bitcoin or what have you. But uh, he seems pretty, pretty confident that that money's not going to get seized. 
Uh, I seem to have a different opinion, but I have a different opinion as well. <laughs> well, I mean, as you know, so he was living under a CPN, a credit profile number. Evidently, he had some cars registered under that number as well. Whether the cars were stolen, you know, he was not paying for them or what, uh, those are soon to be lost to him. So there is that. Uh, my understanding from the contact that I've got, maybe you can confirm that or, or give some some head into that head, headway into that as well. My understanding is that he may be hiding out in the Marlboro area of New York right now. I'm not quite sure about that. That may be so. So when that TLO, which I'll explain, I, have we explained TLO? I, I mentioned it. If you can talk some more about that, that's fine as well. So it's- the TLO report, and basically what a TLO is, is a background check, but a more sophisticated background check on a subject. Typically, the information in a TLO would include your SSN, date of birth, address, all prior address history. Sometimes it can even include license plates, cars, car color, uh, the VINs of those cars under a subject. So it's a very detailed report. And usually only debt collectors, only law enforcement has, has access to these reports. But these fraudsters, like Celine, he seems to also have access to these services, basically sign up as a debt collector or a private investigator or what have you, and they fraudulently gain access to these services, and they'll in turn use them to commit their fraud or they'll sell the TLO reports for, it could range from 20 to $50. But some people have sent me on Telegram, Celine's TLO. Right. And also his brother's TLO. <laughs> and what that included was his... Marlboro address. But when I'm torn, I'm torn because I can't tell whether he's living at that Marlboro address or the other one, uh, C Street in Brooklyn, which was the address he used under his CPN. So it's interesting that you would say that because I had none other than Celine reach out to me on Twitter. Oh, wow. Isn't yeah. that nice? Yeah, it's so nice for him to reach out. I know, right? And let me, um, I said I was not going to share my screen anymore, but I lied. So this, pushing please, is none other than Celine's Twitter account. All right? He'll be pushing please in, in due I time. I know. So that, it's fitting. So this conversation that he and I have is basically, and there's no need to go through every single thing, but this conversation that I had with him is basically him asking me to please leave him alone. Not only leave him alone, but hey, could you remove the CPN information, my real name that you posted, and the real names of some of the other higher-ups that you posted on your Twitter feed of those Shark Tank members? And my response was, you know, I am not unreasonable. And what he did was, as a result, and you see this on Shark Tank, they banned, they ended up saying, hey, don't talk about Brett. Hey, ban his name so no one can mention it. And they really put a concerted effort into making sure that I was not talked about. It didn't really work very well because, you know, I was sabotaging that the entire time. But what's interesting to me is that Celine comes to me on Twitter doesn't let anyone else know 
and says, hey, please remove that. I'm on the run. And that's exactly what he says. I'm leaving that. See, he told me on his on the Twitter contact information. He told me, hey, I'm leaving the Avenue C address and I'm going to go into hiding for a while because the heat is on. So I'm not sure why anyone would ever trust any of the higher ups that are on Shark Tank at all. Uh, he seems to posture a little bit when he's on the voice chat in Shark Tank. I believe I hopped in there and, you know, had a brief conversation with him. And um, I had informed him that I had a hold of this CPN information that I got from one of the other admins on there. Right. His name is, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him, Bippin. Bippin, Mr. Hughes. And Mr. Bippin. So he's the main trade line vendor on Shark Tank. And he-, he contacted me as well on Twitter. Oh, did he? He did. Amazing. Let's hear what Bippin has to say, if, if you'd love to share. So Bippin got with me. He's like, hey, you know, we're, we're trying. And evidently, Celine had not told Bippin that he had been in contact with me because Bippin says, hey, if you've not noticed, we're trying to remove your name. We're shutting things down. I'm banning people that are talking to you. This this one girl named FBG, the Don, she's posting all this stuff about you. We're trying to ban her from all the chats. Please just don't mention us at all. And he also goes on to say, hey, the only thing that I do on Shark Tank is I'm a legal CPN vendor, which I did not combat that at all. Now, just for clarification, CPNs, credit profile or credit privacy numbers, are absolutely positively illegal. Period. And evidently, this kid, Ben, has been picked up for CPN use before, along with evidently sexual assault and some other stuff that one of the other members posted about him, I guess, yesterday, today, something like that. I don't really have anything against Mr. Bippin, other than, you know, he's a criminal. My problem is with the higher-ups of Shark Tank and them condoning that initial attack. The problem was is they, they condoned it. Then once they found out who they were screwing with, they decided that, oh, we don't want to do that. But by that point in time, it's it's a bit too late. Seems so. Yeah. So let me ask you, why are you after Celine? Why am I after Celine? Well, you know, I really couldn't answer that question. You know, <laughs> I just think Celine's a slimy guy. Okay. And I've also heard the allegations about my main reason, actually, one of them is the child predator allegations. So right. Celine evidently was talking to a 15 year old girl named Lexi over Telegram. I'm not sure how Lexi got on Telegram if her parents weren't keeping an eye on her. But I don't like pedophiles. Um, And he said numerous things in that conversation. He kept urging her to call him daddy and all of this stuff and a bunch of other explicit stuff that I won't mention. But that's one of my top reasons. It's not so much I have a vendetta against a Celine guy. It's that, you know, I don't like seeing this sort of stuff going on. And so I have actually heard the audio of that, and I've seen the text messages of what you're talking about as well. Um, my understanding is not only did that happen, but after that happened, he threatened the girl to not say anything about it. 
Yeah, that's also my understanding. And that's been happening a lot. I mean, with your with your situation as well. I mean, we've seen that. Right. But all of these higher ups, I'm not sure if Mr. Jamar is a higher up or not, but he seems to be involved with Celine. Actually, as of this morning, my Dutch contact, because Jamar seems to have a presence around Belgium and the Netherlands, he was feeding me information about this Jamar guy who right. is Celine's associate. And they, this morning, fired in the air near his house. So I believe they shot off a few rounds near his house. Oh, wow. Um, and now he's in a hotel hiding. And I was actually in contact with Jamar, this Dutch guy that you posted. And right. he kept saying, don't go on this podcast. Do not say anything about me, blah, blah, blah. I will pay you. I will make you money, blah, blah, blah. Well, Jamar, if you're watching, um, that's not going to work because I can't be bought. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know, Jamar. Um, it seems as though you're wanted by Interpol and Celine's in the same boat as you. So I will mention you. I know that you're a criminal and you will be caught soon. Uh, he will. I mean, before I started this recording, um, I checked my telegram feed and he had sent me a few messages, as you said, first offering to pay me and then saying when I told him, no, <laughs> it was, uh, well, you will regret it if you mention my name. Special shout out to Jamar. I know you're in Dubai hiding, so um, I hope you leave the country and get picked up by Interpol. And yes, I'm talking about you on this podcast. And no, you cannot buy me. Well, look, I, I, I want you to know that I appreciate you. Uh, I want you to know I appreciate you coming in here. I do. It's not an easy thing to um, do the right damn thing sometimes. It's just not. And um, you willing to, to not only help me out with, you know, hell, man, I've been, I've been threatened the past six days. Uh, not only have I been threatened, I've been doxxed. Family members have been doxxed, um, attempted swatting attacks. Jamar, I've gotten, I've gotten these messages saying they're going to kill me, going to firebomb me, try to target family, everything else, in an effort to intimidate me into not continuing on. And the only thing that caused me to do was ramp the attack up even more at that point. For you to, um, to put yourself on the line like that, it's a, um, it's a very humbling thing for me. That someone would actually try to uh, to help and and make no mistake, I think that some of these guys have the potential to be dangerous. I I truly do, but um, I want you to know that I appreciate everything that you're doing, man. I really do. Um, there, there's no way that I can really repay that, other than to say thank you. Well, no problem at all, Brett. You know, I just kind of wanted to make some people aware, and you know, I I do feel like these guys need to go down. And, you know, I'd like to t touch on this for a bit. Sure. They're not good criminals. I mean, I've been following cybercrime news and I've, for, for years now. And, you know, I don't seem to remember any of this. And I tried to tell Celine this because, you know, I was in the voice chat. I would try to warn this guy. And I said, Celine, you don't see. Let's go back maybe five, six years. 
you never saw this stuff on Alpha Bay. Nobody right. was in group chats. Nobody was showing their face on video. Nobody was leaking their license plates. I said, Celine, why would you do this? Why do and his response was, Oh, bro, we're good. It's nothing but a marketing tactic. This is how I get my name out. This is how people are going to recognize me and make money. And I said to him, well, you don't need to do these things because there are other criminal groups that don't leak their name, that don't leak their video, that don't show their cars and, you know, their watches and their flash and their bling who are very successful. He said, well, bro, this is just how I do things and blah, blah, blah. Celine is not very smart. And all of his admins, and there's a few of them, there's Bippin, there's Blue Nose. He's one of the top admins in there. They all do the same thing. Almost every single one of them has doxxed themselves. Almost every single one, about half of them. Right. And it's just, it's, they're not good criminals. They're not good cyber criminals. It's, it's like it's their first day on the job. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they also post their credit cards and their logins and you can see the last four of the account number. They're terrible. They're just plain (laughs) amateurs. Um, because if I was law enforcement, I'd be eating that up for breakfast. So yeah, the law Celine, enforcement is. They, Celine, they, they uh, truly you're are. not a good criminal. There's there's a ton of stuff that I've seen, and it, it's pretty much impossible to kind of condense that into this one podcast. But right. the main point is, um, one of his admins fed me that CPN info. I, you know, subsequently brought that to you, and that's why we're here now. So, right. well, like I said, I, I appreciate it. I, I absolutely agree with the. Um, and I, I've told them this on for those who, who don't know, this thing is in depth on Twitter and on, on my LinkedIn feed as well. The person I'm talking to is 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 mentioning is absolutely true. This this idea that you don't commit crime like that. You don't. I mean, you don't you're not supposed to show your face. You're not supposed to uh, dox other people because they're going to come back and show your identity as well, you're supposed to try to keep the lowest possible profile that you possibly can. That's how you make sure that you stay safe and secure. That's how you make sure you're not arrested and you go to prison for five to 10, sometimes longer than that. That's what you do when you're an idiot and you take selfies and show the cars and show your stolen goods and show the the instruments you're using to defraud banks and retailers and merchants and all these other people and you're showing enough information there so that law enforcement can build an investigation guess what will happen law enforcement will build an investigation you will go to prison and you'll sit there and the other inmates will look at you and say are you really that friggin stupid and they will laugh at you every day. And that's exactly what happens. So it's it's really kind of it the problem is is that people like the shark the entire shark tank group they give a bad name to criminals all over the place. They really do. So again, I thank you for coming in. We're going to close things out if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind, Brett. And right. um you have a good one. I hope you have a happy holidays and uh I'm glad I could assist. 
My friend, I appreciate it. And if I can ever be of any assistance with anything, please let me know. And I mean that truly. All right. Thank you so much, Brett. You have a good one. Thank you. Take care. So that being said, we're going to close things out. Uh, How does this story end? Well, I'll tell you how it ends. Law enforcement usually takes somewhere between six, 12 months to have an investigation done. And then you start to see indictments come in because of the life the threaten, you know, the threats to life and fire bombs and shooting and beating people and stuff like that, that tends to put things on the front burner. So I would expect more arrests incoming. We've already had at least two arrests. One of those people is already talking to law enforcement. I expect more in the very near future. End of the day, we're going to see a lot of the Shark Tank peeps that are arrested, thankfully, and they should be. Uh, Celine will absolutely go to prison. This Jamar guy prison as well. That's how the story ends. That does not mean that cybercrime ends. There will be a new channel. Most of the people that were on Shark Tank will go to this new channel, and these things will continue on as they have been. That being said, that's just the way that crime operates at the end of the day. So what do you do? What I say is the same thing I say every single day. Stay safe. Stay secure. Stay vigilant. More importantly, just do the right damn thing. I'm Brett Johnson. This is Criminal Thoughts. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time.